0: Welcome to Lords of Order, a DC's Dr. Fate Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and there will be spoilers. You can contact me at Teal, T-E-A-L Productions on Twitter. The Lords of Order Facebook and Google Plus pages are available to you as well. The Dr. Fate fan podcast at gmail.com is the email and BigTimeNoise.com slash DrFate is the website. More fun comics... Uh, The 1936 volume, issue 96, the March-April 1944 story, is what I'm going to be looking at. that is scripted by Gardner Fox, penciled and inked by John Chester Kozlak. And the story is entitled Forgotten Magic. This can be found reprinted in the Golden Age Dr. Fate archives that DC put out in 2007. Now we open with our omnipresent narrator as normal. Can you imagine the plight of Dr. Fate if by some chance he lost his strange powers? Lacking his revealing crystal, his telltale ring unable to fly, vulnerable to bullets, could he still cope with the many perils that beset him? Well, here's the answer. In this tale of what happens when the man of mystery awakens one morning to find himself a victim of... Forgotten Magic Our story opens at night in Dr. Fate's lonely tower. A strange vision disturbs the slumber of the Man of Mystery. And we see the wizard Nabu appearing in the dream, saying, Dr. Fate, hear my message. I, who am responsible for the magic powers, come from ancient Chaldea to warn thee. For a transgression thou mayest not learn, I must forget my magic for a time. And thou too must become as an ordinary man. Thy strange powers will be taken from thee till midnight following. Be warned, Dr. Fate, be warned. And he wakes up, um, obviously, as uh, this would probably be more a nightmare than a dream. But to me, oddly enough, he is sleeping in all his vestments, all his raiments, all the... Dr. Fate accoutrement. So, truly, this is Dr. Fate sleeping, not Kent Nelson, which I thought was really interesting. We have some humor here quickly as Dr. Fate decides that he's going to test things out by running to the window in his Tower of Fate and leaping out. And, of course, gravity is a stronger magic than what Dr. Fate has at the moment. And he plummets until he is eventually able to grasp onto a limb of a tree as he's falling through the tree, stop his descent, and then climb down the tree, thinking, "Phew! I hope this holds. A fall from even this height would be serious to me now. So he decides, well, since he can't be all all fatey, he will be Dr. E for the day. And as Dr. Nelson, he goes to inspect a mine. Now, on the previous page on the half-page opening panel that we have, we see a little shack in the distance that has the word coal written on it. So I assume that means that he is at a coal mine. You can't really tell throughout the rest of the story. But he meets the superintendent of the mine. They descend. They go to a new uh, portion of the mine that has recently been opened by the miners. The superintendent is kind of crowing about, see how You know, nice and new and clean and ventilated and everything that it is supposed to be we are doing right now. Kent agrees. As they're walking through the mine, though, they see another person uh, dressed in a suit and tie who kind of attempts to sneak by. And then when he's seen by the superintendent, he full out just runs away. Before Kent and the superintendent can really uh, chase him, there's an explosion back behind them in another segment of the mine that blocks off access for this wing to the main shaft. So now, Kent, the superintendent, and a group of many miners are trapped. They have no way to the main um, shaft to get to the surface. So the miners start to, you know, freak out a little bit, as you would expect. Kent steps into the shadows and, without anyone noticing, steps back out as Dr. Fate... So now Dr. Fate starts talking to the men, trying to uh, boost their morale all along, knowing that, well, he can't do anything right now more than what they can. He is as human as they are. But he talks them through. He leads them into some ideas via conversation, making it seem both as if the ideas were the minors and as if it is an easily um, achieved goal that they are speaking of. So they f- determine that there's another way to the main shaft. Uh, it's blocked. They dig it out. They continue on a little way and find another portion, the the last portion. They're, they're almost there. Uh, but it's blocked too more significantly than what they can handle with their handheld digging implements, the picks and shovels that they carry. However, they have plenty of dynamite down there because I guess in the 40s all underground mining was done with dynamite sounds kind of dangerous to me so uh dr fate says that he will go and set the charges sends the men back a ways and, and hides you know back and and around that next corner in the mine shafts so that they can't see that he plants the dynamite lights the fuse and he also hides because he's human Normally he would just stand there and let the explosively propelled pieces bounce off of him and whatever, but he can't do that right now, so he hides as well. The blast goes off, clears the way. They get to the shaft. Now the the uh, vertical shaft. Now he has the men hide out of sight because as he flies, he may knock things loose and they fall down on him. Well, they don't know that he's not flying up the shaft; he's climbing, and as he's climbing the narrator tells us painfully laboriously like any ordinary mortal the former man of magic begins the slow climb upward and finally just as he achieves the surface we're told upward ever upward straining arms and legs taxing every muscle to the utmost dr fate drags his nearly exhausted body until finally and he's on the surface alerts some other miners that know what had happened and were attempting a rescue. You know, here, go down this shaft, the men are down here. And as he's talking, uh, uh, as, as Dr. Fate is giving instructions to these surface uh, men, a, a gentleman in a, in a purple suit and an orange tie walks up to him and says, Thanks, Dr. Fate, for coming to help us. But I'm still worried as to whether we'll be able to clear the road to those men in time. And Dr. Fate recognizes him as the dude that just earlier, Underground had set the explosive charges, or so it seemed. He he was the one that had run when confronted. And Fate continues, you dirty rat. All you're worried about is whether any of them will be alive to give evidence against you. Didn't think I knew, did you? Yes, the jig's up, Haney. You'd better put away that gun before you get hurt. You know that bullets can't harm Dr. Fate. And Haney says, "Ah, oh, I forgot. Well, Dr. Fate still is just a regular man. Uh, now, the reference to Haney. The gentleman that he walks up to um, when he gets to the mine, he refers to as Mr. Haney. So I, I'm I'm kind of confused as to the difference between these two men. But apparently, the owner of the mine sabotaged the mine. I'm not sure why. But Dr. Fate bluffs him, um, ties him up. And then, just as he gets back to the main shaft to help the surface miners retrieve those still underground, the uh, a, a nearby, um, I guess it's the the sounding bell for the like the timekeeping for the men that are working, bongs here in the distance, uh, indicating to us that Doctor Fate has his powers back, and he jumps and flies down the shaft to continue the rescue of the men in the mine, who earlier he had been working with as a mortal, but now he's able to work with as the true, magically imbued Dr. Fate. So, um, just an interesting, uh, very short story. It was only about six or seven pages long. Um, as his run through More Fun Comics has been getting shorter and shorter because other characters, Aquaman, predominantly, have taken on bigger roles, and so they get more page numbers, a uh, higher page count. Uh, before I leave off, I do want to thank Brian Reigate of the Comics and History podcast for a couple things, for podcasting and maintaining um, the the you know his his flow on his show through some really uh, suck ass personal things that he's he's gone through he's um he's he's powered through and has kept podcasting and that's just that's really cool to see that um that recording podcasts can help folks do that you know you hear all about folks and and the positive effects of listening to podcasts. I don't know that very many podcasters talk about the positive effects on themselves of the process of you know reading and reviewing materials and re- recording podcasts. Uh, have. Uh, We we don't hear about that very much, but he spoke on that recently. And I also want to thank him for uh, taking the time to read and go through Spectre's um, Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, and and more recent stories. Um, I I thought that um, the Spectre was someone that was due a show and Brian says that because I brought it up and talked about it, he thought it was a good idea also, and and decided to do it. If you know, if if I had that kind of influence, that's that's cool to hear. I would suggest it's more that he was interested in the Specter and saw that there was a hole there and, and decided to jump in rather than anything I did or said. But either way, it's been really cool listening to the Specters' uh, exploits on the Comics and History podcast. I believe here before too long he's, he's going to go on a, a slight hiatus maybe at the beginning of the year for the first part of 2019. I'm not sure about that exactly off the top of my head. Either way, listen to the show. Back up and listen to everything you can of the show, but definitely listen to the Spectre, his Spectre coverage of the past um, probably th- three months, three, three, four months of his, his show. They've been really, really cool. Now, next time out, I'm going to be talking about Dr. Fate's part of All-Star Comics, the 1940 Volume, Issue 20. I'll talk to you guys again then. Ciao. Lords of Order is a Teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution, Non-Commercial, Non-Derivative 3.0 Unported License.